Let's Hi, go. everybody. Welcome to another episode of HB Critical Podcast, where my friends and I talk all things gaming. <laughs> Caught these guys off guard. I love it. I'm Drabail, the same person as always. How boring, right? And I'm joined- There's nothing boring about you, Jerome. Thank you, you Brandon. That. Oh, you guys are so sweet. Brandon, you guys, he's the only one that said something. Brandon, you're so sweet. I know that you and Kelly were saying <laughs> uh, Anyway, I'm joined by Brandon, Kelly, and Gabe. Hey, guys. You guys want to say hi? Hi, guys. Hello, everybody. <clears throat> So this week I didn't. Sorry, I'm so sorry for any audio listeners. Oh, that's the wrong button. Um, <laughs> hey, video guys, video watchers. <laughs> I didn't tell you guys, but this week I'm gonna be doing a nice little news roulette. So I'm just gonna like list off three or four news items at once, um, and I'm gonna give you a few details about them, and then you guys are just gonna jump in with uh, whatever you find interesting. Okay, so we're not gonna go like story by story. We're gonna go like four stories in a row jump in on what you find interesting and then comment on what, whatever someone else says so you can disagree or agree if you'd like and we'll see how it works out if it doesn't work out we won't do it again i just figured it might be a little more fun spice things up but first today was the sure. uh, so, uh playstation state of play that brandon's going to tell us about right now right now okay guys so yeah sony state of play basically uh, the main thing was like it showed like at the very end it showed like a extended gameplay a death loop i just want to point out real quick that I think the game has finally sold me. I know a lot of people are saying we've seen too much Deathloop, but I was literally waiting for that one trailer to finally be the one that sold me. And I think this was the one that finally did it. Like I saw enough that I'm really interested in it finally. It's just like, I love how you like learning about the targets each time. And then you can apply that to different runs and you can also get all these variety of weapons. And then you can also um, change things depending on what you know. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely in now. But other things I was showing at the state of play in order of when they were announced, um, Moss, a game that was a PlayStation VR for PS4, is getting a sequel. Moss Book Two, um, and that's they didn't actually show off the PS5 VR set itself or VR2, but there's a game announced for it already. So there you go, Moss Book Two, um, Arcade Ageden. It's a new game by a new studio, a very Fortnite-ish. Um, moving on, then there's Tribes of Midgar, which is like a top-down action RPG uh, that's like kind of getting constantly updated. There's Hunter's Arena Legends, which is combining elements of like RPG MOBAs and other genres. It's like a battle royale kind of like game. It's going to be free on PS Plus, I think, for both PS4 and PS5. So you'll be able to literally try that thing for free. Fist, the game we heard about a few uh, a few months ago, got a new trailer. It actually looks pretty good. It's, it looks more like a 2D, 2D Metroidvania than I remember it being. It caught my interest. I'll be keeping an eye on it. Sifu, a, a, a kung fu action game that they had announced a few months ago as well. Um, they show off a new trailer for it. It's looking pretty good. Don't really know too much more about it than the trailer. I mean, the action looks good, but I couldn't really get more than that. But it did get delayed to early 2022, which the developers did say that was to um, make sure the game is to their, you know, they don't rush it and that there's no crunch. So they said early 2022. And you know what? I respect it. Moving right along. We got another a close look at a game called Jet the Far Shore. Um, very uh, No Man's Sky-ish with the way it was play- played. I don't really can't, can't say much too more than that. Um they showed an, a good look at Demon Slayer. Um, I think it was Hinokami Chronicles, I think is the game is called. Game is looking slick. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, they got a new trailer for Lost Judgment. Not too much more than we didn't already know. Lost Judgment is looking crazy like you probably would expect. Um, and the last thing they showed was a little more gameplay of Death Stranding Director's Cut. Um, yeah, because they had announced it a, like uh, during the Jeff Keighley's uh, Summer of Game, Summer of Games. And now we've got a little more information. It's 
it's more or less the same game, but they did add a few new things. Like there's some new story missions. There's some new mechanics to make the game a little more uh, entertaining. New ra- There's a racing mode to add to the game. That's freaking crazy. But yeah, it's coming out September 24th. You can pre-order now. And if you already own Death Stranding on PS4, you can upgrade for free for 10 bucks. Well, no, I just say upgrade for free for 10 bucks. That's not free. Upgrade for- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I count, my, I count myself. <laughs> it's free for $10. No, no, no. But yeah, it's a $10 upgrade if you want to uh, boost, boost up from PS4, PS5. <clears throat> and that was everything. That was uh, the state of play. Uh, so moving right along, I think I, I did say I was going to do uh, more multiple news stories at once, but the first one that I'm going to do alone is the uh, Nintendo Switch OLED uh, model. Oh, yeah, we do need to talk a little because, about that one. Yeah. of course, that was just revealed. It is going to cost $350, up $50 from the base Nintendo Switch model, correct? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Thank mm-hmm. you. Uh, it is going to have double the internal storage at 64 gigabytes, up from the 32 that is on the Switch currently. A 7-inch OLED screen, up from the 6.2 LCD screen. Enhanced audio, a LAN port built in, nine hours of battery life, almost, I believe, similar to what the current um, updated Switch is. Um, not all, uh, it'll play all games except for a few of the Nintendo Labo items. They may not uh, fit perfectly, and it is coming on oh. October 8th. So, um, right, the same thing as Metroid one. Dread, and they yeah. and there's and they knew and they knew like that trailer had Metroid Dread as the first game they showed for this thing. They know what they're doing. So, are you guys interested? Are you getting one? Are you waiting for a rumored Switch Pro? Um, is the uh OLED screen enough to make you upgrade? How do you guys feel about this uh Switch OLED version? So, so I'll be honest. Initially, I thought I thought it was cool from the start, but initially, I wasn't sure if I was going to get it because you know almost all almost all the upgrades that they have for it are on the handheld side. Like they have that boostable stand, which is better than the old one that was like frankly kind of flimsy. Um, the OLED screen, the bigger screen. Um, yeah, those were nice, but they were like mostly handheld stuff. Like the only really um, uh, thing that you could benefit on the console side was the LAN port and the um, the expanded memory storage. So originally, I was like. Eh, maybe that's one's not for me, even though I really like the white colors of it. But the more I think about it, with my current job schedule, I actually am getting a lot more uh, time to play games, like on like on my break and whatnot. And I have I've just frankly been catching up on a lot of games handheld because I'm trying to catch up on shows well, so it's multitasking. It, long story short, I'm playing a lot more handheld than I was before, you know, during the pandemic, especially. So this would actually be a very good value for me. So I would say I went from I don't know to strongly considering it like i'm like 90 percent that i'm probably gonna get it at launch if i can scalpers be scalpers though <laughs> Kelly Gabe. i don't think i'll get it at launch uh i only just recently got a switch and it's just collecting dust so i don't really need it um i think that it's a good system and i think that it's very cool and i i wish that i had just not gotten the base switch and just had gotten this one Mm-hmm. Um, but since I already have the base one, I just got it. I'm not really using it. Probably not going to pick this one up. Maybe another year or two. Um, it depends if I find time for gaming again. But I mean, I'm 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 excited that they did this. But why can't they have just done this from the beginning? I don't know. Like, it's, it, it is really weird that it took them this long to get an OLED screen because the V. Everyone was met, like Vita was trending on Twitter when this was announced for a little bit just because the Vita did have an OLED screen. Yeah, that also wasn't the uh, original. I believe, like the the later model of the Vita uh, got the OLED screen. The later ones did? Okay. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. I don't know game trivia. Uh, Gabe? (laughs) I'm going to get it 
And before anyone starts thinking, oh, it's because he's such a hardcore Nintendo fan. No, I've had my Switch since launch day, since March 3rd, oh. 2017. So this is I don't your first have, refresh. Yeah, this, I don't okay. have the new Switch with the upgraded battery life. I don't have any of that. My Switch is ancient. Um, <laughs> one of the main reasons I'm getting it is because of the screen. Because, I, you know, OLED screen. So, you know, it just looks better. Like... If, if, okay, for a lot of people who I know they're like kind of rolling their eyes, and it's been a while since we've had an iPhone without an OLED screen, just think of that. That's basically what the difference is. I remember when they first started announcing iPhones with OLED screen, I was like, like, whatever, you're just trying, you know, you're doing that to, 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 to compete with Samsung phones because, you know, Samsung phones have had OLED screen a little, little bit longer. Um, and then, you know, to me, it wasn't like a big thing. But when I finally got the iPhone with the OLED screen, I was like, well, holy shit. Yeah. Like, you know, it's not like the colors. It, it's, you know, this Nintendo said it in their tweet. It's vibrant. Like, you can notice the colors. It's kind of, you know, there's more life to the colors. And as someone who plays games, open world games, like, you know, Breath of the Wild and Pokemon, that's going to make a big difference, even though, you know, it's not like, you know, it's, it's not a jump from like 1080p to to 4k then that's fine because oh my gosh Terrell's dying over there <laughs> um you know we get the vibrant colors um and then also you know in the topic of uh screens my screen's kind of busted up like mm. i can't show it on the camera it's not going to focus on it but like i have you know several scratches and stuff from that um i think it picked up a couple more scratches like <laughs> two weeks ago i was rearranging my room and it kind of like just slipped out of the dock mm. so that'd be nice um and also, you know, I'm a Smash player. So the LAN port, I never went out to buy a connectable LAN port because I don't want to spend another $20. So, you know, in this instance, I'm going to be paying an extra $50, but I, you know, I get a new screen. Um, so I'm getting it. Um, definitely getting the white one too, because I'm tired of looking at my all black dock. It's kind of now. Oh my God, you have an old black, all, all black dock. That's so cute. Isn't that the the, the factory? Yeah, regular? that's adorable. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. mean, I guess that's cute. But um, oh, and also there's one thing I noticed. I this isn't we're not reporting this 100% true. But when I was looking at the pictures, because I was the one that wrote the article on you know the updates to the upcoming OLED, which you can check out at hpcritical.com. Yes. Yes. Um, it the inside of the dock looks a little bit more, I guess, safe. Because you know, it, it looks like it's not going to, you know, bump with the screen as much when you're switching it out, uh, pulling it out and in. Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to see when I actually get the thing. But from the pictures I was looking at, it definitely looks like there's a little bit more, I guess, cushion inside there to protect the screen. Um, but yeah. I'm going to get it. And I'm going to get it because that white is so sexy. And I love it, but mostly it's 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 what Gabe said. The OLED screen, like I, I I was telling friends, like I'm comparing it to iPhones. Like the OLED screen is such a palpable difference. Like it is, it makes a huge difference for anyone who doesn't know. I think I've been using the iPhone example, the same one that Gabe used. It makes a really big difference. Plus, it's bigger, and I'm a graphics whore, so anything that makes my things look better, I'm a grab. Plus, I I have that red Mario one, and um, you can't trade the red with um every color joy con it just looks really bad mm -hmm. so i have like every color joy con i'm very sad so i gotta switch it and you know i think the white 
dock is gonna look real sexy next to my white ps5 and i'm just an entitled little bitch who likes graphics so and you know i'm not gonna buy it so <laughs> i have wonderful friends who are gonna buy it for me because i'm also an entitled graphics whore so you know let's roll that shit in here but mostly because i can't afford another switch because this would be switch number six or seven at this point so Gosh. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, really, really quick though, because Brandon mentioned it, but also a selling point for me is the kickstand. This yeah. is this is the kickstand now. This is a piece of shit. I'm sorry. The mm. new kickstand takes up the entire. Yeah, that's why I don't use it as much. But the new kickstand takes up the entire back of the uh, the screen part. Yeah, and it's adjustable. So like, hello. I love the, I love the fact that it's adjustable. Like, um, I will say that the new kickstands that they have, like, that they did for, like, the first, quote, revision was a little bit sturdier than the other one, but it's still something you got to be very careful with. That thing will snap right off. It's just, it's just not, it's not that good. Uh, so continuing on about Nintendo, the first thing I'm going to bring about is a t- an article titled Nintendo is working on increasing the appeal of Switch Online to make it even more fun and convenient to play. This article is from NintendoEverything.com. Um written by Brian, and it says that the SNES library started up on the Switch online in 2019. Since then, though, the lineup classics have been a bit static. Some have hoped that Nintendo could expand the offerings with N64 or Game Boy games. President Shintaro Furukawa uh, was asked about a membership option at a higher price tier with upgrading services during Nintendo's annual general meetings of shareholders last week. He spoke broadly about plans, noting how the company is working on increasing the appeal of Switch online and make it even more fun and convenient to play uh, with Switch. Here is his statement. Quote, Nintendo started the Nintendo Switch Online service in September 2018 for Nintendo Switch users. People with memberships can play games with their friends online, such as titles like Animal Crossing New Horizons. In addition, they can play some of the games that were released for the NES and the SNES. Membership in the service exceeded 26 million paying accounts in September of last year and is, stud- is still growing steadily in step with the increase in Nintendo Switch system sales. For Nintendo Switch Online, it's important not only to increase the number of new members, but also to encourage existing members to continue using the service. So we are working on increasing the appeal of the service to make it even more fun and convenient to play with uh, with the Nintendo Switch. If you want to talk about that one, I would ask what you guys would think would be a really great addition to um, help increase the appeal for the Switch. The other one that I'm going to bring up right now is from VG247.com by Sharif Syed, and it says, TV-like ads may soon be coming to console games. A new marketing company has successfully tested a platform that brings ads to console games. Following the publication of this story, EA has gotten in touch to say that the report isn't accurate. It in a statement to VG247, the publisher said it's not looking to bring TV-like ads to its console games. So this was published. People thought it was happening, but I did want to bring it up and ask you guys, how would you feel if your video games, which some of them already have ads, started having um, TV-like ads in them instead of regular ads? I'm looking at you, Street Fighter V, trash. Um, so those are the trash. two topics. Uh, grab one, grab both. Tell me, anyone. I mean, I feel, sorry. Go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. You can go, go. I feel like if I'm paying for something, I don't want there to be ads. Like That's what I'm whenever I stream, so if I if I stream like you know Netflix, there's no ads because I pay for a service and you're giving that to me. Like I'm paying to have that. So if I'm gonna pay for a game or like some of the games are like separate online fees, I'm not gonna watch ads. Like I'm just not gonna play your game. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said. If it's like in the cutscenes or something, I mean, do some like product placement. I'm okay with that. Yeah, like, I'm okay with cool. like, you know, like, I don't know. I'm trying to even think of anything. Like, if the ghost is like drinking a Pepsi in Phasmophobia or something, like, hilarious. <laughs> I don't take that ghost seriously at all. <laughs> but like, you great. know what I mean? Like, I think that yeah. they could do it playfully, like, definitely like 
or you know like a loading screen which loading screens are so short now on the new consoles but like if you like did a loading screen you're like brondo it's what plants crave i would like die it would be amazing you right. know just put like an ad in there that would be great but i don't know can you imagine like you're playing call of duty and there's like a banner ad like scrolling oh my god the, the, the reason i brought story. up street fighter 5 is because as you're waiting for a match they literally have ads of like all the things you can buy and like it, it's kind of a turnoff but then if you think about uh final fantasy 15 right like yeah, they yes, had 15. a freaking uh ramen noodle a uh, cup oh noodle, man like, that's like collaboration and a coleman collaboration and it was just placed in the game and it was done really well so i was like yeah no they totally would be eating cup noodles right now like this works yeah Honestly, like i think that now that i think about it like in a game like a Apex Legends or like Call of Duty you're on a battle royale map if a plane flew by with like a banner that mm-hmm. said like buy stuff from the store I'd be like okay like right? that, <laughs> yes that I would feel work like the placement of it has to be right like I'm not gonna wait to play my game because you want to show me an ad yeah. like I want to see it in the game and like I said if there's like some some like humor to it I'm in like I'm fine with that yeah yeah I'll 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 add just a smidge to that because I don't have too much more to say that hasn't already been said. Um, yeah, I, I would say that in game, like like actual advertisements, is kind of gross. But if you can do it like in a playful way, I think that's that's cool. I remember the N sixty four Wave Race game had like it was, you're you're on jet skis. So if while you're doing some of the races, they had little Kawasaki posters in the background, stuff like that. That makes sense. You're on jet skis, so of course that that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, if you can figure out clever ways to do it. It's not as bad, and you're still making that that money. It's it's fine. Uh, uh, Super Monkey Ball used to have uh, partnerships with Dole. You would see like some of the bananas would have, <laughs> would have would have would have things totally That's cute, that. and it's perfect. It's bananas. So stuff like that, you can you can absolutely make it playful without it being disgusting. I just hope that's <laughs> that's the way they are are going, but we'll see. And just real quick about the Nintendo online thing. Um, I'll echo with pretty much everyone on the internet saying that I, I am enjoying my NES and Super Nintendo games. That's great. But yeah, they really should expand it to a few other consoles like Game Boy and 64 would be really cool. And uh, that would give more content for future seasons. doesn't hold up, but you already know. Um, so yeah, I would love, I would love if they uh, expanded, that'd be great. But really like, I think like they could, they, they could add all this cool services and I would be happy about it. But the, I think the bottom line is that online does have to get improved a little bit. However, they can do it. It just it just has to because you know us having smash tournaments and then just having random communication errors that end the whole match is kind of unacceptable. So if they could just do an ex- improvements like that, like that would that would go a long way. And I hope that's what they're thinking about as opposed to anything else. But the good thing is, you know, the addition of the land port, right? So it's not, it doesn't have to be wireless. But the it, bad it thing helps. is that, yeah. um, you know, the online structure is bad anyway. Um, it just, it, it's, it's kind of like a little, a little, a little, um, whatever. I can't think of the words. So I'm gonna move on. And the only other thing I'll say about the uh, Nintendo online thing for myself is that um, I, I don't complain too much about them because it's only twenty dollars a year. But I will complain because now I'm paying money for it. So I feel like once you start paying for things, they need to get better. Uh, yeah. But I'm not gonna you know yell at them like I would at uh, Xbox or, or PlayStation because it's only twenty dollars. Yeah. Gabe, either either story. Um... If you give me t- TV like ads in my video game that I paid seventy dollars for, I'm gonna start a riot. Yeah, I, 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 will, I will actually punch the living shit out of a CEO in one of those games because that's I don't you got you know the idea of putting it in joking like yeah that's fine like having like you know like 
Sephiroth using dough for men on his hair. That'd be great. You know, that's fine. But like if I'm sitting there in a game and I'm starting up the game and between pressing the start button to load up my save and then putting me in the game, you throw an ad at me, I'm going to be super pissed. I don't care how fast loading times are now. That's no keep TV ad, t- keep TV like ads on TV. Um, the switch online thing. I think you know people keep focusing in on Nintendo 64 and the Game Boy, which mind you, the Game Boy is, I feel like the Game Boy should have been one of the first consoles, uh, console so libraries too. they put in. Cause again, handheld, like, exactly. hello, your switch is a handheld um, device. Um, I think the GameCube is now old enough that you can also put the library in there. And again, they've already showed that, you know, you can, uh, what the hell is the game called? Uh, still one with Mario. Um, oh Three, my god, the all stars. No, no, the GameCube one. Uh, shit. sunshine, yes, sunshine. My bad. Yes. Oh my gosh, which you know, part they... I just want you to know you said the game with Mario. I know, like, that's, all that's, the know, games, like, my like, mind, bro. like, just like, um, <laughs> but yeah, like, they've shown that you can bring GameCube games almost seamless, seemingly, whatever, almost perfectly to the switch so like i feel like we need to stop as fans we need to stop being like yeah the 64 game boy no like if you're gonna start making your switch online better you put in the fucking gamecube games because you're obviously not gonna port them you're not gonna you're obviously not porting them like Mm -hmm. as a zelda fan like you know i again i was fine with with i was fine with wind waker Waker and twilight not getting their hd remake taken to the switch so if that's the case, if you want to keep, because again, Zelda is an expansive timeline that you want the fans to enjoy, you know, every game in that timeline, bring the GameCube over to the Switch. It's, we know it's easy. You guys are, you guys make a, whatever. Anyway, yeah. And then in terms of like making actual like online better, I, I know they're kind of doing like behind the scenes stuff. Cause you know, a couple of months ago we talked about, they finally decided to use a different, um, server thing instead of using a server that was used for like windows 98 so kind of doing background scenes on that but like it'd be a lot nicer if you told the fans what was happening because like you know the switch the the switch oled came out and i was like oh cool they have you know the the land port in the back now you know they're they're becoming dedicated to online even though you know they're like you know we're more of a couch uh, couch co-op you know system so it but we need a little bit more like i don't know I, I especially playing smash i definitely feel like online has been starting to get a little bit worse actually like i've noticed a lot more lag and a lot more you know communication errors like brandon yeah. said and it's not i know it's not me because i'll literally be sitting right next to my router downstairs and everything's running perfectly fine but like i'll be sitting in a four a four player smash battle and a move that's supposed to come out on frame two is coming out like on frame 50 because the game's lagging. So yeah, that's all. I think, you know, as much as I hate to say this, Nintendo kind of has to start really putting an actual focus on online. All right. The the only other thing I'll say actually about this is that um, I think it's really easy to say, put all of those games on there, but I also think it's, it's, 
to me, I think it's a really bad business move to put your library just for free, essentially, for $20 a year per person, when uh, those games are sacred to a lot of people. Like, if you just start throwing GameCube and Game, Game Boy games onto the onto the Nintendo Switch Online, you know, library, I feel like you're there, they would lose a little bit of their um, value, because I think a lot of those games are really, uh, you know, first of all, a lot of those games are still being sold today, right? Like, you can still go pick some of these games up for a decent price, like not, not a ridiculous amount. And a lot of people still have their, their GameCubes and their Switches and their Wii's and their Wii U's and the ability to play some of these uh, titles. So yeah, it would be really cool to get them on Switch, but I think it, it depends because there are a lot of titles on there that um, I think I'm done. So moving on, um, <laughs> because I don't want to continue talking about that. The next two articles that I have are the first one is from PCGamer.com, written by Molly Taylor, titled Streamers, First Final Fantasy XIV Experience Ruined by Idiots. Asmongold, um, who is a very prominent WoW player, decided that he was going to start playing Final Fantasy XIV because he has been really annoyed with the way WoW is going. And uh, one of the WoW developers, I think it was a, a, a artist, I believe, well, I can't remember, but one of them calls him an asshole on Twitter, which is, uh, you know, a thing that I will maybe not get into this podcast, maybe next podcast, but that's a whole thing. Uh, but when he started playing 14, a ton of players, like, so there are really big animations in 14, and a ton of players were just doing some really obnoxious animations that he couldn't actually play the game. Uh, and eventually some GMs came in, uh, stepped in, and started banning some of those players for harassment, and he was able to play. But this leads to um, another news story, which was that uh, Final Fantasy 14 ended up having the most concurrent players of all time on Steam recently because Asmongold, of course, came over and brought his WoW crew and a lot of, a lot of uh, MMO players leaving WoW because of a bunch of Blizzard things and moving over to 14. But the question for this one is, um, do you think that there was anything that he could do? Because uh, so a lot of people do think that he is uh, an asshole, I will say, uh, based on just the way that he plays. He's very outspoken and he's very prolific with why he doesn't like World of Warcraft and what he wants to change. Um, And he's brought things over to, uh, he's he's moved over to Final Fantasy 14. Um, But my actual question is, uh, so when it when it was said that um, 14 had like the most concurrent players, a lot of people were saying, oh, but you should really thank the developers because they've really made this MMO into something crazy, good, and they deserve the praise. Um, I personally think it's both. I think that Asmongold coming over obviously has brought over more people, but I also think that Final Fantasy XIV um, as a community and um, the developers have done a really good job. So I wanted your... Uh, a- general opinions on that one and then the next news story is from gameinformer.com written by the wonderful Leanna Rupert titled uh, new report reveals many Ubisoft employees unhappy with how leadership handled me too uh, and a quote from here says earlier today we covered a report from Bloomberg about Assassin's Creed Infinity a code name for the upcoming entry in the franchise that will be a live service game we got to talk about that later on uh, shortly after Ubisoft itself confirmed the report at least the part about the new game being in development and the vision for the series undergoing another shift another part of the report however includes the continued cycle of the work culture at Ubisoft the next Assassin's Creed game is so large that the Quebec and Montreal studios are pulling together to work more closely than ever before for a more collaborative experience development 
developing Infinity. The shift reportedly has many employees feeling frustrated and nervous about the future, especially given the new teams are being led by managers that have had a birth of accusations against them, um, yet remain in their situated roles. People familiar with the matter told Bloomberg that the recent moves have kicked up the need for employees to speak up once more, causing the internal message board for said devs to air their concerns to become flooded with disappointment over how allegations were handled. The report also details the French Union Solidaires Informatique reported that three Ubisoft Montreal managers were accused of harassment or toxic behavior, as well as reports of overt racism and sexism with, it, uh, with an HR department that has reportedly not done anything of value in response. The Ubisoft spokesperson that Bloomberg spoke with refused to comment on any specific related cases, but did add that any employee that had allegations and remains at Ubisoft has had their case rigorously reviewed by a third party and were either exonerated or underwent appropriate disciplinary actions. Employees have been under investigation, would not remain at Ubisoft if results of investigations warranted termination. So with that one, I mean, just your general thoughts on that. I don't want to go too much with asking you guys a specific question. Um, I personally just think that it's really bad to uh, mix two companies together and then people that already have allegations on them should not be then in charge of another company and another group. It's kind of just like putting people in bad situations to try to get your game made. We'll talk about the live service uh, Assassin's Creed a little bit later, but those are my two opinions on those things. So um, those are the next two stories. Tell me what you got. Uh, I mean, the Asmongold story, I don't know. I've been doing some reading and like apparently the Final Fantasy 14 community does not want anything to do with him. Like, they don't want him in the game. They've been sniping him and like trying, they, they're literally saying like Asmund's, Asmund Gold's kind of hatred and rudeness is not welcome. It is the responsibility of every decent player to overwhelmingly <laughs> oh report, God. report every single incident of it and make sure he's run off quickly. Do not give him, give him or his fanboys room. I'm like, I don't, but like, I'm trying to read why people hate him. I don't know anything about him. I feel like I've seen his tweets because they're WoW related and that's a topic that I follow. But like, other than that, like, okay, so he's just like a mediocre white man playing video games, obviously wealthy because why not? We remember that. <laughs> I love this so, But like, yeah, I mean, so like, that's why he's famous, but he's not really like bad. I mean, I guess his followers are immature, but like, it's Twitch. What do you fucking expect? Like, people aren't mature. Um, but like the guy, like literally a dev of Blizzard, like called him an asshole. Like, I don't even know why. Like, I just don't really understand like why. Like I was reading on Reddit. I'm trying to read like why people hate him. And they're just like, he lives with his parents. Like, is that why? I don't <laughs> my parents. Shit. I right? I'm like, is that why? I just don't whatever. Um, I guess he is like he trolls and stuff, whatever, but I can don't... I add to that really quick? Um, so I, I personally don't really know either because I've seen some of his content. He seems like, he, you know, whatever exactly what you described him as. But I do know that the 14 community has been very uh, vocal about being welcoming. So it was really crazy to see this because anytime that I've played, I've personally had really great experiences where like, wow, people will just leave you in the dust. Um, I literally was just watching a friend play 14 
and like the leader the tank leader literally described how the flight was going to go and like we were lagging and he was like oh no everything's fine it's okay like we got this like the community is super super nice so I don't know if it's just that they don't want an asshole intruding onto their community but it's kind of the opposite when you do things like that like you're literally being the opposite of what you want to be so yeah. I was like oh, I was gonna, I was gonna say I was gonna say that too like like Jerome what you just said about like the 14 community being positive they're so nice so this is so crazy we were just talking about yeah. how nice they were with another so, news story a few weeks exactly ago. so exactly yeah with with the berserk the creator passing away with the control mirror yeah exactly what you're saying so it's like i get so i totally get it like if a ne- if your person that is perceived to be negative is coming to community you have resistance to that but it's like you said you have become the very evil you, <laughs> that you want to- yes, <laughs> yes. And also when he came over, so I, I was actually uh, with a friend who was playing. So when he actually did come over, that entire server was lagging for everyone because so many people followed him over. Like you couldn't oh. even play the game. It was kind of trash. And I was like, well, now I kind of see why people want him to leave because it was unplayable because yeah. so many people were on that one server. Um, but yeah, I guess you don't want an asshole in a really nice community. I suppose not. I guess. I just don't know. I just don't know anything. So, I didn't know who you guys were talking about. Like, I'm I, sure I you've seen put him a, before. I couldn't put a face. Actually, yeah, I've seen he him. Does he does a lot of Dark of Souls videos. videos. Oh, um, yeah, that's why I met him. I met him. He he was reacting to like this guy like one hitting every boss in Dark Souls or something, which is mind blowing, by the way. And um, I can kind of I kind of understand why uh you know Final Fantasy 14 people don't want him in there like Jarrell was saying you know they're very nice they like the um they 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 like to you know help people get into the game and whatnot I've seen this guy play other games like Chivalry 2 and he he's I don't he doesn't fit that community like it's he's he's like that kind of person that like if you went to the game and he was leading you on a raid or some shit like he'd be degrading you the entire time because you don't know what you're doing. Mm, So, but at the same time, you know, it's not nice to not let people in, (laughs) but you know, when you can't, when you have a reputation for being a dick, like I'm not going to lie. If say, you know, you guys were starting an MMO and you guys was like, no, yeah, we don't want Gabe here because Gabe gets too hyper (laughs) and he brings everyone down when he gets frustrated. I'd understand that a hundred percent. And that's kind of like this situation. Like, again, I don't know Asmongold that much, but off of what I've seen, and I've, I've seen, I'd say, at least around 100 clips of him, either with Dark Souls or with um, Chivalry 2, I kind of get where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. I see. Uh, so with that, we are going to take a tiny little breaky break, and we'll be back, everybody. See you in a bit. Yeah. And we're back, everybody. Uh, and the last thing that we were talking about was Asmund Gold and Final Fantasy XIV. And then we went on to talk about uh, Ubisoft and the Me Too movement and sexual harassment over there. So um, let's chat about that one. How do you guys feel about that? I don't understand why it's... Like, when an allegation comes up, even if it's just an allegation, suspend the person and wait until the investigation is completely done to either reinstate them or, you know, fire them. And then if it turns out they're guilty of that allegation, I don't understand why, like, why the option of having their, you know, getting their job back is even an option. Like, well, I mean, so they did say, just to clarify that they did say that anyone who was under investigation um, has 
either had disciplinary action taken or they have been cleared of that investigation um, before they have returned. So the assumption here is that if they are working there right now, um, whatever that previous allegation was, either they've been punished for it or it was unfounded. Now, how this is still happening after all of that yeah. has already happened, that's another story. Like, I, if, if when you merge the two, the two, you know, developing companies and the first thing that comes out is that, you know, hey, we're very nervous working with this person because of their allegations, like, I don't know, don't have that person in charge of a team. Yeah, I, I feel like whenever two companies merge, there's like almost like two of everything. So like if there's like a director of something, like just use the one from the other company. Like, yeah. all right, this one's got allegations, just fire that one and move on. Like whenever there's a merger, like people get fired. It's not like that wouldn't be surprising or or like wrongful or anything. Like if there's two of you and you have someone to take the place from another company, just get rid of the person with allegations. Um, but if they've already had the disciplinary action taken or they've, you know, these allegations have been unfounded, I can see why, but I, I just don't know. If there's multiple allegations against someone, I don't know why you'd continue to have them working at your company. Mm -hmm. I don't get why the disciplinary action for, you know, something, you know, an allegation of racism or sexism or, you know, making someone uncomfortable is because it looks like a slap on the wrist if you're back. Like, I don't, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I'm known for being the harsh one, but like, I don't know. If Jarrell didn't like Hispanic people, I wouldn't want to work here. Like, I'm sorry, you're, but you're my boss. You're, I, you're my boss. If Jarrell didn't like Hispanic people, I wouldn't want to work here. If Brandon didn't like, Brandon, are you Puerto Rican? Yes. If Brandon didn't like Dominicans, I'd feel unsafe, not unsafe. I wouldn't feel comfortable, you know, being on this podcast. If oh Kelly God. was your typical yeehaw white girl, oh I wouldn't want to be Damn. there. I'm sorry, but like, this is, that's the only way to put it. Because if you're working, you know, one of these, Mo the Montreal companies, if this person was, you know, has allegations, for me, which mind you, when someone gets an allegation for racism, it's very easy to see because it's usually either in the form of words or something written down. And you can't really like say like, oops, I messed up on saying that like, we're all smart enough now. And even though you see a lot of, you know, famous people getting away with like, oh, like for example, the basketball player from the Miami, ex Miami Heat player, he said, um, uh, um, uh, he said a slur on, you know, on, on stream and like, you're you can't tell me because he's at, he's like he was like 31 or something like that he's around that age like you can't tell me at that age you don't know what that word means like okay but I don't... also sometimes it can be very hard to prove that something racist has happened or something sexist has happened and depending on your hr team like a lot of times a lot of this stuff will either get swept under the rug or like you will be unable to prove it or uh, at the end of the day like you said it'll be a slap on the wrist and that's why people end up leaving so yeah. like yeah there, there are two ways about it like i I've, i know people that have been in situations in which like okay you know let's say i felt like something was super racist against me and i explain it to someone in hr who is not black who doesn't under who doesn't even understand that and uh, doesn't empathize with that, I get nothing from it. 
right? Because they don't understand why I felt the way I did because maybe it wasn't overtly racist, right? Or maybe it wasn't overtly sexist. Maybe it's some guy that continues to feel on Kelly's shoulder when she walks by, right? And, uh, and mm-hmm. that may not seem like something that's super bad, but that's invading her personal uh, space. You know, that's like, that's touching, that's unwanted touching from the opposite sex of someone that she doesn't even know, right? So like, it can be something as small as that. And then you have an HR team that's full of dudes I'm, I'm not saying that this is how it is. I'm making uh, an example here that you have an HR team that's full of dudes because we're in the video game industry. So it's a full of white dudes who probably do the same thing in a manner that is not as disgusting as this one person that's doing it, you know? Like, so I, I, it, I think it in specifically in video games, it's probably really hard to prove um, your, your allegation of racism or sexism, especially when you're working under someone else. So I can see why at this point, it would be more difficult to, to do for, well, rather I see why the outcome is like, oh yeah, we've handled it. And the people who are working there definitely haven't been doing that because if they had, they wouldn't be working there, but we got this. We have a really big game to work on now. So that's all you get. Yeah, and I I feel like a lot of it, like some of the stuff that happens is not super overt. Mm -hmm. Like they're not just, they might just not say a racial slur or say like, oh, you can't do this because you're a woman. They'll just like make a sly comment about like your hair or, oh, those are like, you look good in those pants or something. And that is so like a line that is drawn where it could be racist or it could be kind of sexist. But like, I mean, a comment like that, it's not overtly any of those things. Like, would you want to get someone fired for saying like, oh, you look great in those pants? Like, Exactly. That's the other thing. Actually, yeah. kind of. But that's besides, like, it would just be a comment about your pants. I think in that case, like, having someone be, like, talked to or written up. I mean, at a lot of jobs, you have to get written up three times before you're terminated. Mm-hmm. So, like, in this case, like, if you're not written up three times for something... I don't know. Like, I just don't know if they could even terminate you. It could be like wrongful termination. I guess discrimination that would kind of like not, obviously that would probably count as a lawful termination. But like, I just feel like a lot of the time it's not just going to be like someone screaming, you know, a racial slur in your face or saying like, you're a stupid woman. It's going to be literally (laughs) like just something. But but though, (laughs) that's what happened at Riot. Is it not? That guy was, he was harassing that woman out loud mm-hmm. so and he got let off like it was handy dandy and then but also like you know uh, going on to what chris uh chris oh my god going on to what kelly said can you imagine i'm sorry I'm do you sorry. think all women look the same drug? oh no that's sexist no. i am suing it's only because earlier today I was having a conversation and Christy was on my side. So I was like, like Christy said, I apologize. Hi, Christy. Um, what was I going to say now? Oh my gosh. I forgot. So anyone else? <laughs> I'm good. Um, uh, okay. So let's move on because I literally cannot remember what I was going to say. Um, Damn it. And it was a good point. Just think of something good. It was going to be a really good point. Uh, so let's continue <laughs> Just think talking. Of something good. <laughs> Let's think of something good that I would say about this. Um, oh, okay. So uh, I don't think this is what I was going to say, but I have another point on it really quick, which is imagine being like one of the women working here or one of the POC working here and uh, having to go to like 
a white male HR and then having the guilt of possibly getting someone fired for something that you think, um, like you might think that it's bad to you, but then you might internalize, okay, maybe I'm just overthinking this. Like, is it worth getting this person fired because they said this to me? Like, is it worth them losing like their job here? Do what would happen? Like, what are the repercussions to me? Because I finally got this job in the games industry with Ubisoft working on like Assassin's Creed. That's huge. Like I'm working on the next big Assassin's, Assassin's Creed thing. Like, do I even want to put myself in that situation? Do I want to put that person in that situation? What happens to production if that guy is fired? You know, like all of these things are things that'll, you know, cross your mind. And so it is a very difficult, I assume it would be a very difficult thing to come forward with this. So I just wanted to say congratulations to like all the people who were brave enough to walk forward and express this uh, situation and everyone who is hopefully handling these things the right way. And one other thing I want to take from this article before I move on uh, was it said, there's a quote that says, we have full confidence in the entire Assassin's Creed team. Ubisoft takes each and every allegation seriously and conducted a series of investigations over the last year led by independent third parties taking swift and appropriate actions based on their outcome, including warnings, removal of managerial responsibility or dismissal. While we won't go into specific details about individuals, any employee that had allegations or remaining Ubisoft had their case rigorously reviewed by a third party and we were and were either exonerated or underwent appropriate disciplinary action, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's another part here that I wanted to read when I find it, but it basically said that uh, a, t- a ton of people ended up... Um, Ah, here it is. It was also revealed that growing unrest had caused a rising number of employees in the Montreal studio to leave to pursue other games under different companies because they are tired of working on massive productions and that Assassin's Creed Infinity's ambitions proved more than they were willing to continue doing. Um, Here, it is important to remember that people leave jobs all of the time, uh, whether this is because of the feeling of needing more, needing something different, or no longer fitting with the mission statement and vision at their current occupation, with some reportedly leaving due to the scope of Infinity, that's not necessarily uh, indicative of what fans can expect. Uh, And the reason I wanted to read that is because I'm going right into the next story, which is uh, this post about Assassin's Creed going uh, 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 live service. So there's an article at Bloomberg, which uh, which is where the uh, this this Ubisoft article came, uh, quote was quoted from. There's an article at Bloomberg titled, oh my god, I just lost it. Uh, the future of Assassin's Creed is live service. Ubisoft Montreal and Quebec have teamed up for Assassin's Creed Infinity, a huge platform plan to have multiple settings. Um, and then they go into you know a bunch of the men being accused of um, being nasty, but. Let's talk about Assassin's Creed going live service. So for anyone who doesn't know what live service is, um, I, I actually, does anyone want to describe live service better than I can? I think I'll give it a go. It. I'll give okay, it a go. Yeah, we'll see. yeah. Uh, so basically a live service game is, again, uh, essentially a game that's like almost always online, if not always online, that is constantly receiving updates during the time that it's being supported. Uh, more than often, more than often supports multiple players playing together at a time. Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so would a live service kind of be described as an MMO without the RPG element? Sure. Because aren't MMOs usually live service where they receive updates over periods of time? Well, yes and no, because I feel like MMOs require subscriptions and live service games. Oh, okay. Okay. So, but yeah, essentially it would kind of be an MMO that doesn't require a a subscription. Obviously there's more that goes into it, but yeah, you know, something like Fortnite 
is live uh, service, right? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes it. Yeah, that makes sense. Always right. online. All you know has updates. You're always playing with people. Uh, but yeah, so this next Assassin's Creed game, uh, and uh, I believe it's called Infinity Assassin's Creed Infinity, will mm-hmm. have multiple historical settings and will be a live service title. Um, another great example of live service is uh, Marvel's Avengers, and um, when you have live service games, you can start charging people for content. And instead of continuing on, like you have one game that's going to garner a bunch of money because you're just going to keep putting out content and keep charging people for it. Um, and they got to keep paying to play, essentially. Um, so a lot of people have been feeling some type of way about Assassin's Creed going live service because, you know, as of now, it's been just a, a, a single player RPG. I don't know if I don't play Assassin's Creed, so I don't know if it even has multiplayer of any type sometimes Some, they do yeah sometimes but it's not like but it's main focus multiplayer is, yeah it's is, main uh, focus like is action story. rpg yeah single player action rpgs correct yeah um so how do you guys feel about the single player action rpg of like a 14-year franchise suddenly going live service and i do believe we talked before about ubisoft mentioning that they were going to start focusing on live service yeah. uh, games down the line so i guess assassin's creed is going to be the first one um, yep. are you interested in playing a live service assassin's creed or no how do you feel about it mm, so i'll be i'll be honest um the premise of it actually sounds intriguing the fact that it's taking place over multiple historical settings i would think that if you're going to put assassin's creed live service that'd be the way to go because of course previous games you know focused on one one primary setting and just run with that for a single player experience with infinity they're going for multiple and over live service title it makes sense now as far as it being a live service title I definitely understand why Ubisoft would want to make, you know, arguably their biggest known franchise, a live service title, especially if that's where they were planning to go in the first place. Uh, That being said, as like, it makes, uh, I'm saying it makes sense for business. Now, if we're talking in a sense of like a player sense and whether I'm personally excited about it, um, I feel like there's some people that are certainly open to the idea because again, of the premise, but I also have seen a lot of people that are not because, you know, Assassin's Creed has always been like this champion single player experience. And that's what I feel the the main audience is. So I feel the premise of it becoming a live service title that is going to be receiving these uh, constant updates as opposed to a more focused single player story is going to definitely rub people the wrong way. Now, I have heard some reports that even though this is going to be a live service title, it's still going to function for those who still want to play that single player experience as that. And if that's the case, then I actually don't see a problem with it, if I'm being perfectly honest. If they can still play their single-player adventure and get more content as the game goes on, sure, I guess. If, if, if As long as it still feels like an Assassin's Creed game to people, maybe it'll turn out fine. Maybe it'll still be what they're looking for, even if they're uh, fundamentally changing a lot of the core of it. It's something we're going to have to wait and see, but I know the initial thing is jarring for a lot of people to look at, to, to listen to. You know what that sounds like to me, Brandon? Hmm. That sounds like uh, Jarrell can't play his game offline because it's live service, even if he only wants to play the single player RPG aspect. And it also sounds like I'm going to end up being, I'm going to end up paying a lot more money down the line for this live service to just play by myself. Like, I, yeah. like it doesn't yeah. sound yeah. like a good no, no, yeah, you're, and you're for to- me playing alone. And you're, you're totally right. Like, like no, matter, no matter how you slice it, a live service game is not going to be for everyone for the fundamental reason that and everyone can really play live service games reliably. So right off the bat, you know, 
a lot of people may like it, may people may dislike it, but if we're just talking about general usability, it's just live service automatically means you cannot get 100% player base just because of the nature of it, and regardless actually, of how the core game is. Let me actually read a little bit from Polygon.com about this, and it says, uh, rather than continuing to pass the baton from game to game, we profoundly believe that this is an opportunity for one of Ubisoft's most beloved franchises to evolve in a more integrated and collaborative manner that's less centered on studios and more focused on talent and leadership, no matter where they are within Ubisoft. Mm -hmm. um, and this uh, said Natalie Bochard, Managing Director at the Ubisoft Quebec, and Christophe Duranez, Managing Director at Ubisoft Montreal and Ubisoft's blog. Most importantly, Assassin's Creed has always been developed by multi cultural teams with various backgrounds and perspectives that have influenced the depiction of its characters, locations, and cultures. While we know there's always room for improvement, we believe this new structure allows us to ensure the diversity and representation within our teams continue to grow and match that of our players. Mm -hmm. I am about to be a hater here because all I read was, yeah, we have a bunch of diverse uh, groups here and uh, a bunch of the poor diverse hires we have are dealing with sexism and racism and that is why people are worried about getting jobs at places because you have to know if you are a diversity hire for one you want to know whether you are or not and number two you need to know if there are uh, are situations in place that will protect you if you are hired at these companies as a woman as a poc and and apparently look what happens you know you're hired at one studio and you're told because of your ethnic background you know they're gonna you're gonna be a part of this you're gonna be able to contribute to assassin's creed and then boom the companies merge and all of a sudden you're dealing with racism and sexism and all this other stuff and whatever um but yeah i think it's interesting because not passing the baton from game to game and uh, you know taking these two separate studios that are always working uh concurrently on new games putting them together to make one massive game sounds really cool and then you hear about all these people that want to quit because it's too much work and it's like damn y'all just you talk about how diverse your company is but you're taking all that diversity and running it away for either sexism racism or you know to huge ambitions so I just I read this as I feel really bad for all the people there that are having to work this way um yeah I, I don't care for live service games and I'm done I definitely feel like Assassin's Creed didn't play out its current lifespan of game style long enough and I think that's why you know that sudden not sudden but that whole you know people quitting because they didn't they don't want to work on such a massive game like assassin's creed if you remember it from the very beginning was always well duh, it was stealth you were an assassin you mm -hmm. had a target you killed it you went back for another one but then you know when it got into odyssey when it got into odyssey you know it completely changed it became a much more open world game with a lot more mechanics a lot more um I'm not going to say story. Well, no, yeah, a lot more story because there's a lot more side quests and a lot more, you know, historical events that were put into it. But you also had a lot of mythology and a lot of it, you know, you had the Egyptian gods, you had the Greek gods. Um, the last one, you had the Viking gods. Um, but that only went across three games. When mm -hmm. Assassin's Creed first lifespan went over across, I think, over 10 games because, you know, you had Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 1, 2, and 3. You had all those side games, you know, Assassin's Creed China, Assassin's Creed Russia, Assassin's Creed, I don't remember the other like 20 countries they used. Um, 
and then you know and now this current lifespan only got three games three very good games by the way it's not like assassin's creed was faltering like they did in the first like you know in the cycle of their first lifespan they were actually doing really good they were interesting games um and then that sudden shift of yeah we're gonna be a big live service um on one half, I'm kind of excited for an evolving Assassin's Creed game because at this point, it's like, what other historical events could you have done? Because like, I'm, I'm oh, I, I see the face you made, but like, you know, it, it's kind of hard to scrap into something and get it right. Because that's, that's, that's the thing, like, but I don't know, like, but then at this point, you know, you can also just make it like one big game where it's like, all right, we're done with this historical event onto the next because that's what it sounds like it's going to be like it's going to be like you know once one era ends the next one begins and that's kind of cool but then i don't know it's just again i feel like the current lifespan of assassin's creed games didn't get it wasn't long enough for them to start doing this which apparently seems like out of the blue since you have so many people quitting over you know not wanting to work on such a big game mm-hmm and then, oh, and the other point is you have all these people who originally worked in Assassin's Creed quitting your game, which means you're going to have to hire new talent who might not have the same, not taste, what is it called? The same creative ideas for Assassin's Creed that the original team had. And, you know, now you're in risk of having Assassin's Creed Infinity, which I think is a fitting name for where the game's going. Sure, I just saying. Um, you know, they might have a different tape, you know, different outlook on what Assassin's Creed is supposed to be like. So, you know, you might have, you know, the fans of Assassin's Creed going into the game expecting one thing, and then it kind of like it's not that. I will say there are a ton more historical situations that can be covered, and it's their job yeah. to find them and actually do them properly. If you set out to do Assassin's Creed, guess what? That's what you set out to do. Cuz you want to jump in on this before I move on? Okay, great. So um, <laughs> do you remember that we talked about uh, this, this uh, ROM site that was being sued by Nintendo and they won $2.1 million in a lawsuit? Yeah. Uh, we talked about it a few, a few weeks ago. Um, so turns out that according to Kotaku, Nintendo can't even get $50 a month from the ROM site, uh, the guy that was sued. Um, they settled on $50 a month and he's already missed a $50 a month payment. Uh, that's that story. Uh, like so a lot of people are saying like you know Nintendo just let it go uh I uh, like I mentioned before I wouldn't let it go now you owe me a hundred dollars because you missed that fifty dollar payment I don't know if I'd make you pay the whole 2.1 million but like the guy can't even make a fifty dollar payment what is gonna happen you're gonna have to he's gonna have to start selling the ROMs again that's the only way, the only way to make the money. Go back to crying to fix your crying. That's the only way to make the money. Um, great. Any comments on that before I move on quickly? Oh man, fifty dollars a week to like he's you know if we're talking two point one million dollars, fifty dollars a week. Oh, his grandkids gonna be dead. Like this is this is yeah. his grandkids are covered. His grandkids are going to be paying for this, man. Like he, <laughs> he, 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 royally fucked up, man. Just he there's no owing running. Nintendo money. Like that is some just, bullshit. Just oh man, it's rough, but oh, well, what can I say? Okay, so also the U.S. Justice Department is probing the Overwatch League over the league's soft salary cap and its competitive balance tax, uh, which 
what uh when i was reading this i thought like how like how is this the thing so it says the u.s department of justice antivirus division is probing the overwatch league over its soft salary cap policy that discourages teams from excess spending um sources familiar with the inquiry told dot esports the probe is being headed by doj trial attorney kathleen simpson kiernan who works for the civil conduct task blah 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 at the center of Kiernan's inquiry is a lack of the player of a player's union, which would allow the Overwatch League to apply for a non-statutory labor exemption. That status has been granted to the NFL, NBA, and other pro sports leagues who have labor unions. The exemption originates from blah, 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 doesn't matter. Kiernan's team has also contacted Activision Blizzard, the operator of the Overwatch League. As a result, Activision Blizzard has communicated uh, communicated to team executives not to tamper with or destroy information regarding player salaries, a routine measure taken in case of government investigation. It says, we have received an inquiry from the Department of Justice and are cooperating accordingly. We deliver epic entertainment to our fans and support our players and teams in producing the most competitive and enjoyable esports league in the, in the world. In 2020, the soft salary cap threshold equaled 1.6 million, according to league sources. If a team exceeded that amount in annual pay salaries, the organization would then have to pay player salaries as well as the excess amount to the league as a luxury tax. Uh, this means every dollar above the 1.6 million limit would cost the team twice as much, um, impeding organizations from offering massive competitive salaries. Does that make sense to you guys? So right, essentially, right. Uh, the short version of that is they have a cap that they can make of money, which is $1.6 million, right? Uh, and if they exceed that $1.6 they're going to have to pay extra taxes on anything over that $1.6 So essentially, if you are an Overwatch competitor, your team cannot make more than $1.6 million. That right. is what's being um, investigated Um and that luxury tax would then be distributed among the non-offending teams. What the fuck? Uh, uh, so if my team makes more money than $1.6 million, my money, sub, anything over that is going to go to the rest of the teams? Who are not making that money, according to this article. Why don't they? Hold. Oh, this it is, is a competitive balance other. tax. And it, it is the reason why it, it does not allow other um, well, companies, for example, to be able to offer big salaries to the Overwatch League specifically because of that soft cap. Yeah, Kelly. I mean, I'm just saying, wouldn't you rather give the money to other players rather than the government? I mean, I would rather keep my money because i earned it for winning but yeah right. sure i mean yes essentially yeah i would i would i guess yes um but like i just thought the whole thing was crazy mm -hmm. um and i'm gonna move on from that unless anyone has anything else well, to i got something really quick to say about that because from my understanding oh, oh, my also sorry really quick also sorry 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 before you say this because it might affect what you're going to say uh the article did i believe say that no team has actually reached that 1.6 million dollar cap so it hasn't actually affected anyone yet but of course they haven't reached it because if they do it's gonna they're gonna be charged but go ahead this is the supreme this is the department of justice yeah um, I think our government needs to focus on the 1% of America making over a shit ton of money. They need and a soft it. tax. Yeah, cap. they need to start giving out their money to everyone else. What the fuck? Look, nah, I'm done. Go ahead. Go to the next subject. Okay, so, so um, 
seven Japanese anime studios are bringing their unique talent and yes. perspective to the Star Wars Visions, a collection of animated original short films starting September 22nd on Disney+. Plus. This looks really cool. I know Brandon probably has something to say about it. I have one thing to say about it, which was there is a young Black Jedi, and that was really cool. Go ahead, Brandon. Hell yeah, dude. I'm all, I'm all about it because it's it's making like so much more diverse stories with this. But yeah, let me to, to sum up. Yeah, seven Japanese studios are making just like shorts called Star Wars Visions coming to Disney Plus. I'm very excited about it. Um, I was looking at the uh, studios involved with it. There's a lot of good ones. The two I wanted to point out though was uh, Production IG and Trigger because those two have made some animes that I have definitely enjoyed over the past. Triggers made stuff like Kill the Kill and uh, Gurren Lagann, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Production IG, oh my God. it's They have a huge resume. So, And those are the ones that, and they're making the ones that I'm most interested in. Like one of them is like uh, Tale of Twins, the two twin Jedi that are both like struggling with the dark side. And then like eight Jedi is it almost seems like a seven samurai story. I'm just, I'm just lo- loving the different animation styles that are on play here and just seeing the different stories. We're getting very different Star Wars stories than you would normally see in Star Wars. And that's, the main reason I'm excited. And of course, you know, the animation style is just going to be great. So I'm very excited about this. I will say, you know, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan, but they did look really cool. Like I I saw some of them and I was like, that's like a cool ass anime in Mm -hmm. the Star Wars universe. Like it it was pretty dope. Uh, So what is this? Oh, oh yeah. So I also found this super crazy. Uh, There is a New York Police Department game truck coming soon to a block near you with a bunch of video game consoles inside of it i'm gonna say this is clearly a trap people don't go into a big bus made by the new york police department that says it has video game consoles in it it's all a bad idea they're gonna try to kill you i shouldn't say that they're gonna try to you're not wrong though like this all is just like underprivileged NYPD and no, the area underprivileged kids are gonna run to this bus and some bad thing is gonna happen. Like this is all just a fucking setup. I don't you smell no like other. weed. You're going to jail. 100%. No, I can I just imagine they're like they're like oh yeah come in here and then you go in there and they're like oh you can totally closes. play with this you can totally play with this PlayStation. You grab it. They're like he's trying to steal he's that PlayStation. One hundred percent. Lock him up. Or, or you know, they're gonna add your fingerprints to the. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. That's what it is. I didn't even think a hundred percent. It's all just bad news. Don't do it. And I can't believe they're so blatant with it. Um, so I just love how like people want their budgets cut, and instead they're like, put more money. Yeah, they keep games, raising their budget. Game trucks, like, what the game fuck is happening? Game trucks. And and of course it's gonna get you know not just kids too you know like some some adults are gonna go there with their child. Yeah. I, you're gonna I like want, see me in there like I have to wonder what I have to wonder what consoles they're even getting on these. There's a PS5. There's PS5s in there. In there? And we're over here struggling to get PS5s. Um, like, um, that's not the biggest problem about this, but it's just it's it's. <laughs> but you know, PS5 for whatever reason, be, I was just. For whatever reason, in my mind, is when I said game trucks, I was just thinking like that thing's gonna be loaded with game cubes and PS2s, and little little seven year old Timmy's gonna go <laughs> oh, in the, the truck. Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you can imagine, right? Yeah. Um, so there's a tweet here that says, if Nintendo made a game like Ring Fit Adventure, but instead of exercising, you're learning a language, everyone on Earth would know every language ever. That's from Hey, I'm Heroic at Twitter. Um, let's talk about how cool it would be to have a language learning RPG. Dude, Ring yeah. Fit Adventure was 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 I in my opinion a very great idea because 
I, I put more time in Ring Fit Adventure than I have in any other X Guys game out there just because it was a single player RPG. There were stats and there was levels that you could actually do. So it actually felt fun to do. So yeah, dude, if they did something like that to learn languages, hell yeah, dude, I would learn so many languages if they figured out a way that you could like level up your character and you just did more damage, the better you were learning the language and the grammar. Yeah, bring make this, please. <laughs> <laughs> it would be you know that's why ring fit sold out right like that's why you couldn't multiple times for, yeah for quite a while because and, and if any company would do it it would have to be nintendo right the family friendly company that's allowing you to learn languages come out that, that would just be amazing. honestly um there's a few more topics here so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back and see you guys in a second <laughs> what the fuck Hello everyone, welcome back. And we've got a few more stories for you before we log off for the night. And the first one I have is that Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart ups the ante on accessibility. Have any of you guys played Ratchet and Clank? I have not. No. I haven't played Rift Apart, but I have played like a few of the older ones with a friend back on the PS2 days. So uh, this article is from Wired.com and the tagline says Insomniac Games' new banner title shows what developers can do to make games more inclusive. Uh, the PlayStation State of Play broadcast Insomniac Games' Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart took center stage, showcasing approximately 16 minutes of gameplay. I'm going to uh, blah, 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 move along. And there's a quote here that says, take Naughty Dog, for example, Uncharted 4 Thief's End was the studio's first title that contained formal accessibility features. Uh, the game shipped with 37 accessibility options in total, including a host of new features like a dedicated accessibility menu. If you fast forward to The Last of Us Part 2, Naughty Dog increased that to over 60. Uncharted 4 released in 2016, provided uh, Naughty Dog with several years of experience to hone its skills in developing accessibility features. Rather than start the arduous task of creating an accessible game, PlayStation Studios can continuously update portfolios with options that are proven to work. Not only does this create a relatively smooth transition between titles, it also ensures an ever-growing list of development tools when mistakes inevitably happen. Uh, there will always be challenges, and with each new product comes a host of new and unique bespoke features or gameplay elements that will require all new accessibility features to support them. But this approach means we can focus on innovation rather than retreading old ground, working with problems that we've already solved, Thompson says. For Ratchet and Clank, Insomniac Games utilize techniques and tools found in Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales as a starting point to create features that could benefit disabled individuals. One of the, accessi uh, one of the accessibility features in Spider-Man lets players reduce the number of button inputs required for specific moves. However, the latest Ratchet & Clank does not feature as many buttons as other titles within the studio's catalog. Uh, Michelle Zarilla, advanced senior user experience researcher at Insomniac Games, explains that the groundwork for accessibility was already there, but new features needed to be fine-tuned to fit the specific game. Instead, the team approached it from a gameplay perspective to see what situations or controls could benefit from a shortcut. Some situations could be addressed by, off addressed by offering toggles, like opening a weapon wheel or aiming, but successive presses like jumping and slamming your weapon or holds uh, like gliding were good candidates to offer a single uh, press. So this I thought was really interesting because essentially what that means is all these PlayStation Studios are working together um, when it comes to accessibility, and they're able to look at what game, what one game does well, and incorporate that into their game on an easy level, right? So the the best example was the one I just provided with Spider Man. Um, they took uh, what what Spider Man did, which was reduce the number of input presses needed, and they were able to actually change the 
the input presses all together in Ratchet and Clank by designing uh, a, a scroll wheel instead of something that would require a, uh, a press for accessibility. And I know that we were talking about accessibility being awesome at other platforms. So I just wanted to bring that up. And um, if anyone has any thoughts on, on how these uh, PlayStation Studios, which are not the same studio, by the way, they're all studios purchased by PlayStation at this point. So you have Insomniac taking taking cues from Naughty Dog, you know, like that, that's really big, right? Because uh, I don't know that any of the studios over at Xbox are working together in this manner, but I think it's really awesome to see that PlayStation Studios are actually working together in this manner to create um, more accessibility. And I wanted you guys' opinion on it. I think it's super dope. Like, you know, obviously we talked earlier about the whole Ubisoft situation. There are certain do's and don'ts when it comes to like companies like working together because of course they have different staff and whatever. But I think it's something like this, it makes perfect sense. You know, if if, if it's it's basically like um, learning from each other, you know, if, if this accessibility option worked here, then why not incorporate it into this one? You're all part of the same studio. You know, you're all making different games, but you're working for the same team, essentially. So why not do, uh, compare notes into what worked and what didn't work for the, for the making of your game? And most importantly, the accessibility, because, you know, accessibility is extremely important, especially in this day and age that more people are playing games than ever before. And you want that to keep going. You want games to be accessible as possible to everyone. So... Yes, keep learning about accessibility. And, you know, obviously they have the benefit of working together within the whole PlayStation Studios banner, which makes it easier. But obviously when it comes to this, especially accessibility, other companies should take notes however they can. You know, mm-hmm. you can play, you can, you don't have to work on a game or work with the person making the game to understand that what they're doing is right and, you know, incorporate it into your game if need be. And with accessibility, it's always worth it. 100%. Anyone else? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like that they're working together on accessibility, obviously, um, seeing them work together is probably like pretty cool. I don't think, I don't know if anyone at Xbox is doing that. The only thing that I'll say about Xbox is that they make hardware for Oh yeah, they have the best accessibility in yeah. the industry. So, I mean, it's cool that PlayStation is at least like trying, but like, I don't see Xbox studios, like the different ones within it doing this because they already have like hardware for accessibility so it's i guess it would still be pretty useful but um i don't see it being super necessary for them um but i mean it's cool that playstation is doing this if they already have a stepping stone to accessibility you might as well use it at another game studio to make other games more accessible and thank you actually for that, Kelly, because that's such a, thank you for bringing that up. That's such a great point that I should have brought up, which is that Xbox does have the uh, specifically designed, I, I, you know, accessibility hardware, which is such a huge deal. Like they still are probably the leaders in accessibility in um, gaming and hardware specifically. Um, but I still think it would be really cool if like, the studios were able to learn from one another, um, not even just in accessibility, but also like, you know, Bethesda being able to work with um, 303 or, you know, any other, I don't even know what studios Microsoft has at this point, but if they were actually able to, you know, sit down in a room and be like, hey, when you guys are making the next Fallout, we can make it not look like it's from 1996, you know, that would be cool. 1976. Uh, or 1976. Yeah. <laughs> did you want to comment on this before I move on? Uh, nah, teamwork makes dream work. 100%. Yeah. Look at look at this team. A play critical. Let's go. Um, so, <laughs> what was that? Was that a battle? No. Did I? Okay. No, I like it. I liked it. Continue. 
Thank you. Uh, so uh, Minecraft is now R-rated in South Korea and Microsoft is looking into a solution. This was a great headline from uh, PCGamer.com written by Molly Taylor. Uh, the original story is that Minecraft, the incredible kid-friendly sandbox game, has essentially been slapped with an adult-only age, age restriction in South Korea. Uh, and it says here, instead of bothering to implement any form of after-hours screening to Xbox Live or separate servers, Microsoft instead changed their policy for South Korea in 2012, so anybody wanting to make an account has to be at least 19 years old. This hasn't impacted Minecraft so far, as the game's still been allowing players to sign with their Mojang account, which doesn't require age verifi verification, but an update does say that a Microsoft spokesperson has responded to PC Gamer's request for comment, saying, we are proceeding with the global migration of Mojang accounts to Microsoft accounts from, Microsoft, from Minecraft Java Edition, including for our players in South Korea. We're working on a larger term solution for existing and new players under the age of 19 in South Korea. <laughs> and we'll have more to share on this uh, later this year. I'm sorry, that's not funny. But uh, the bizarre restriction comes down to the country's Cinderella law, which pulls the plug on any child or teen hoping to play games with their mates into the early hours of the morning. The law has been in place since 2011 and means anyone under the age of 16 is prohibited from playing online video games between midnight and 6 a.m. There you go. Uh, Callie, how do you feel about this? I see you in the face you're making. <laughs> Honestly, like that'd be great. No kids at night, oh uh, games. It's like, like, just take them all out from midnight to six a.m. Oh my god! Nobody under sixteen. Like, can you imagine? Like, that could be like the time. You know, <laughs> like we should all get on at this period. Yeah, we because can we all... don't have to deal with yeah. bullshit with kids. I hate playing video games with kids. Like, <laughs> obviously, they'll they'll get around it. Well, to be honest, okay, but think about it. I stream. Kids are not supposed to be on your stream. You know what I mean? Like, especially if it's like an 18 plus, which I think mine's set up mature. So it's like, I don't want no kids like talking on my stream or like saying no stupid shit while I'm trying to stream. I just want to say that I did not think that this conversation would go in this direction. And I am so <laughs> happy that it did. I was expecting something very different. I expected this from Gabe though, because you know, he yes, the, 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 what? Fuck little the, kids. Yeah. The, <laughs> you see? He likes to bully the kids. I know, but like, what What did you think we were going to say? Oh, <laughs> we want kids to play games at night? Like, fuck no. Midnight to 6 a.m.? Should kids even be awake? Like, uh, well, I really thought that you guys would be shocked at the Cinderella law for midnight. I, yeah, I am. Because hold on, because the Cinderella, like, <laughs> everything was going fine. And then you said Cinderella law. I'm like, oh. How the hell is that going to incorporate this? And it's like, yeah, they shouldn't be playing games with their mates. Or what is it you said? Uh, I quoted the article. But what does the article said? It said I think it's a yeah. I think it did say mates. Um, first of all, no one under sixteen should have a mate. It's I think they like, meant like friends, Gabe. It's a friend. I hope they meant that, friends. Like that, that's, yes, that's but what I don't know, but, but the thing is, but the law is a Cinderella law, and Cinderella is based off a love story between no, a prince. No, it's and because a... at midnight her fucking uh, yeah. shit goes like what game? Oh <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. But but I have no recovery from this. <laughs> I have absolutely no recovery from this. I understood it a different way because I am American born, born on yeehaw soil with a bald eagle flying over my head oh when my I came God. out. So to me, mate <laughs> means someone you reproduced with. Listen, um, I was born in Florida. 
I was I have, born in Miami. Well, I literally live in the backwoods of Florida, and I know that fucking mate means friends. Nah, I know. The first time I was introduced to the word mate, it had to do with reproduction because a lot of you never times, met an Australian person. No, I haven't. The only Australian person I know by name. That's not an actor. It's a gamer. Is uh, what the fuck is his name? He's a Smash player. Uh, you don't even one. know his name. Wow. And he doesn't even say mate. He literally right, mate. friends the entire time. <laughs> so and like this guy's Australian, like Australian. He still lives over there. So this also took another unexpected turn that I was. We all not find out that Gabe's got it dumb. Oopsie doopsie. <laughs> Like, did you think that it was like these kids that were having sex with one another couldn't play? Not sex, yeah. but like, like relationships. They can't play. But, with but like, we're talking about Minecraft. Where okay, are you, you yeah, know that's like I the mean? perfect like, first date. What are you talking about? You build up a nice what? cathedral or some shit. You put in some. Wait, cathedral on a first yeah, I date? Don't, I don't know what people do on first dates anymore. I haven't gone on a first date. They apparently like go to a cathedral to get married. Okay, never mind. Because um, you can't mate immediately marry. Okay, <laughs> fine. They go. They build up a like like a replica of the Eiffel Tower in the surrounding area, and okay. then you put in a picnic table under the baguette shop or something. I'm sorry. Is that insensitive? You put, you put in a table under like a bread shop or something. I mean, but 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 whatever. Baguette is just French. It's fine. Yeah, it's French. Okay. Okay, I was gonna say something that actually would have been out of place. Um, (laughs) you know, you put a table under a restaurant shop, whatever, and you have, you know, it's like, hey, join my Minecraft servers. How many Minecraft dates have you gone on? Zero. I don't go on dates. I'm a loser. (laughs) But this is what I've seen on the internet. Like I've seen you're Reddit literally about this. envious of people that go on Minecraft dates. <laughs> yes, there's people going on virtual dates. That's why dates he's so mad. He's no, like I, I, 16 no. year olds cannot be my, having a Cinderella my story. Anger I'm issues not. stem from something else. But <laughs> this that has podcast. got that has fueled my yes, fire. Um <sighs> yeah, so that's, okay. that's what I thought mates meant. I I'm sorry, I'm not, you know. I don't know. I, really I just don't I hear really anyone say like it's not a word I hear thrown around a lot. Like I don't like my friends aren't like, hey mate, like no, we don't I don't all right, mate. I really just didn't expect this either. I like y'all just surprise me every fucking week. Like I don't have a segue, so I'm gonna just move on. Uh, they, among us is getting a physical release, and oh uh, they have some. I think I'm on crack again. Sorry. They have some uh, really cool like plushies and uh, discs, and you can get a, a a beanie and all this cool stuff. So check that out. And the last story I have here, um, unless I'm missing anything that you guys want to bring up, is that uh, Tencent is now using facial recognition to stop children in China from gaming all night. Wow. Uh, power to fuck them kids. Uh, so this article is written by Steve Messner, and it says late night gaming sessions for Chinese children are going to be much harder now that Tencent, China's largest tech company, is using facial recognition to stop kids from gaming after bedtime. Announced in a press release yesterday, Tencent said its new technology would require players to confirm their identity via facial recognition algorithm in order to keep playing mobile games past 10 p.m. It's just the latest step Chinese companies are taking to conform and stay ahead of China's tightening regulations concerning when and how underage people play games. Um, so, you know, this is this is even worse. This is 10 p.m. Uh, South Korea's midnight to six and China's yeah. 10 p.m. Well, it doesn't give a date, like an age, though. 
Does it say an age? Um, it just it just says the way it works is simple. If children under the age of eighteen try to play eighteen, oh god, or before eight a.m. So this is from ten p.m. to eight a.m. Uh, they'll have to pass a check that uses the phone's camera to verify their identity and age. This extra measure is in place to stop children who are easily circumventing previous age gating methods to enforce China's strict laws on gaming activity. Mm. It's just on phones. Um. Yeah. I guess you can't play. Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not even gonna make a. I'm not even gonna make an assumption. It seems that way, though, based on the article, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it says the Chinese government says these regulations that are curb gaming addiction in China, where mobile and PC gaming are both massively popular. At the same time, privacy av- advocates are concerned that this collected data could be used for more nefarious reasons, like China's social credit system, where some mm. citizens can be penalized for a variety of behaviors deemed unsuitable by the government, like not sorting their recycling properly. Um, at the same time, it also presents a moral dilemma for the developers who have to implement these systems, especially if they're not Chinese. Over the past two years, Tencent has aggressively expended its influence in the gaming industry by investing in a variety of company, companies, including Jaeger, Epic Games, and Platinum Games. So that is like the big thing, which is like, imagine, you know, Epic and Platinum Games, if they want their games to continue to be in China over on Tencent, you're going to have to make this facial recognition available on Fortnite on mobiles. And like, you have to be okay with the morality of what, what the collection of that facial rec- recognition, you know, mm-hmm. could essentially lead to if you want people to continue to play your game. And it's really scary when it's a company like Tencent. And um, that's, that's honestly the reason that I brought it up because Tencent, you know, owns, so much in video games, like such a variety of companies, Riot Games, League of Legends, they are 100%, um, they own 100% of League of Legends, which is still huge. <clears throat> they have 40% stake in Epic Games. Um, they have 11.5% in Blue Hole, which is uh, Player Unknown Battlegrounds, uh, 5% in Ubisoft, 5% in Blizzard Activision, uh, 80% in Grinding Gear Games, who make Path of Exile. Um, and then they also have uh, an undisclosed uh, investment in Platinum Games. Uh, 84.3% in Supercell, um, Frontier Developments is 9%, uh, and a few other um, companies like Shark Mob, Funcom, Fat Shark, Paradox Interactive. Um, and Discord has received $158 million in funding last year, um, including an undisclosed amount from Tencent, among many other investors. So when you're looking at that, that is a shit ton of companies that uh, yeah. Tencent has um, staken. And it's just, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, I don't know anyone. <laughs> I have nothing to say. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like 10 p.m. is an early cutoff, especially if you're 18. Yeah. I guess if you're under 18. Um, but I, I think that if they want to stop kids from playing games at night, I, I don't really have a problem with that. And it's not because like I'll be it's not because I want the kids offline. It's just like we haven't really studied like long term effects of like screens all night or anything like I, I feel like that could be something I mean they say it specifically to gaming but like I don't know we don't know the long-term effects of a lot of the stuff that we're doing now with technology like we don't know the long-term effects of social media we don't know the long-term effects of gaming on a phone all night like so I think like until maybe we do it, it might be a smart idea to kind of curb kids from playing it all night or from playing it at, at night because we already know that games not just games but phone usage at night fucks up your circadian rhythm like we're just aware of some of these things now so i don't necessarily think that these laws are 
bad for kids, but I think that having a government restrict what you're allowed to do kind of sucks. But I mean, there's a lot of things we can't do here. You can't drink until you're 21 because it could cause harm to you. Or we can join the army at 18. Well, I can get shot. Yeah, this is 18 and up. So I think like even when you're 18 here, you can't drink technically. So and they're making the laws for smoking the same. Uh, Well, you're not supposed to. Legally, you cannot. Um, So I I mean, I I guess if it's to protect children, I could get behind that. Um, But at the same time, like social regulation is crazy. But kids under 18 are regulated almost anywhere. You know, I think my biggest problem is like facial recognition like yeah. i don't want the not okay so i'm sure the government already has my face like it's not that big of a deal here right like i'm not gonna be one of those people that's like oh my god i don't want the government to have my information knowing that they already do uh but i just get concerned with you know based on that article what happens to these kids when you know their their facial you know what happens when they grow up and they don't um recycle properly right and then their their face is just right there and they're trying to play a mobile game um, but also have any of you guys actually played games uh at night before the age of 17 like all night once before yep. school i'm yeah. sure i have yeah Frick i don't yeah. yeah i think it's like uh i you know i don't want to completely disagree with you kelly because i think you have really great points but i think um I think it's kind of normal for kids to want to play a game all night, right? Like, I, I I remember when Kingdom Hearts first came out, I played that shit all fucking night, and I had to go to school the next day, and I had to leave it on because I was in the middle of a boss fight, and I couldn't save, and I was like, please, God, don't let there be a fucking power surge, and I came back and played all day and all night again, um, but that, that wasn't can... like a, that was not a, like, I do this every night type thing, right? Like, yeah. I, I feel like if you are yeah. gaming overnight, all night, every night, under the age of, you know, 16 or 18, then yeah that is something that should be regulated but i also think that's what parents are for right or that's what the system is they for. should be for it's like yeah, exactly that's what they should be for of course there are situations where that won't necessarily happen i just get a little scared when it's like you know there's how do you i guess my my biggest thing is how do you really implement this law you know like how does south korea yeah. implement this law because kids are going to get around it how does china implement this law because kids have been getting around it so now it's like okay well now there's facial recognition like what's next if the facial recognition doesn't work you know that's my that's my my thinking on this like i don't want it to get too far um but i totally agree like i don't think that kids should be playing all night all the time like if it's not summer i feel like on summer do what the fuck you want you know but like during the during the school year um oh kelly's like no don't no do <laughs> no they just they said it was a problem they said that yeah 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 it yeah. was a problem and but, i think that you know like we we had the conversation recently about the loot boxes and how it's like gambling for kids mm-hmm. i mean if it's addictive for children then they shouldn't be doing it all night but at the same time if you're letting them play games all day it's like the same fucking thing it's mm-hmm. not yeah yeah exactly they're just doing it during the day but also there's a difference in culture here right so of you know of course it is more addictive there but there are reasons that it is the way that it is there right so I can't even I can't personally even speak on that um that's why I was like I I don't know what to say because uh you know based on the numbers that I see coming out of you know the revenue from mobile games in China like I'm 100% sure there's a problem because they spend all their money on like mobile games when I when I look at these when I look at these uh these uh revenue things you know this says here 
Um, estimates say that it will reach 781 million gamers and $55 billion in revenue by 2025. Um, that's China's gaming industry being so large, right? So there has to be a reason that it's that big there specifically, right? There has to be a cultural thing that is making gaming there such an issue. So I completely understand uh, this law. Um, I just don't know if like, yeah, I guess if everyone's doing it, you got to have a law, but I'm too mm. liberal to be like, make it a law. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't want to say make it a law, but I also see the necessity of making it a law if it is an actual issue. So that's why I'm like, eh, I agree with Kelly, but I, yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> Brandon and Gabriel, like, not touching that well, one. Well, no, because it's like, it's like, well, it's like Brandon said, though, like, this sounds like it should be a parent's job. Yeah. And again, like again, you mentioned like the cultural difference. And I, you know, I, I do realize that, you know, in China, there's a lot of, there's a lot of movement going on. Like if you get from to your house to, you know, to school or from your house to work and whatnot, it takes, you know, they use public transportation a lot. And that could be one of the, you know, main things why that happens. But like, then that wouldn't make sense for having cut off at night if this is happening during the day. So that's why I don't really have anything to say about it. Cause like, I don't know how it works over there. Wasn't China like where they censored Winnie the Pooh and like yes. it caused an issue with Kingdom Hearts? That was China, right? In China, yeah. It caused an issue with Kingdom Hearts in China specifically. Yeah, yeah, if something from Disney got censored, most likely China. He's not wearing pants. I mean, he wasn't. So they're not wrong. He's still not wearing pants to this day. So they're still not wrong. There's no um, pants. That could, never mind. <laughs> what you trying to say? Pooh can fit pants. Just make his shirt longer. Yeah, right. Give him a dress. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was because people were were comparing him to like China's governor or something. I had, yeah, so someone and he was, like, not very happy with it. So he was like, "Fuck who!" Like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if Trump censored oranges? <laughs> okay. Anyway, so. So uh, this article does say it's also clear that this new facial recognition system is an attempt by Tencent to continue to stay in the Chinese government's good graces uh, because, you know, China's government, as I mentioned, is estimated to have $55 billion in revenue in 20, uh, by 2025, which is a huge amount. And when you have so much stake in all these um, all these companies, of course, you want to keep your games in China because that's where they're making all the fucking money. So, like, yeah. yes, China, what do you want? We give it to you and you give us money. And then, you know, there's a whole other conversation about, uh, you know, that, which we're not going to go into because, you know, that's all. That's another issue that we can talk about on our paid program, HB Critical After Dark. And yeah, which will come about come one day one day you can hear about um what we actually think about this story the non-censored version and then you can hear about all our horrible dates and our our wonderful dates for some of us and all the you think i curse a lot now oh. uh, but anyway i have nothing else do you guys have anything else uh i'll throw out one last thing um it's not going to be the case by the time this podcast goes out but i just want to wish everyone listening to this a very happy national video games day and mm. if you didn't play anything on the day itself and you're listening to this podcast whenever you're listening to this podcast play a good video game and let what us was know that what day? It was. uh correction correction it is national video game day national video games day is on september 12th okay Happy National Video Game. I don't yes, know that's the one game. Don't you got to play one game on National Video Game. Well, when day. when was it's it? Multiple today. Today. Oh, as, today. Of, as, of, as of this recording. As of this recording. Oh, no. National Someone video who game. doesn't have HP Critical's tweets notifications on. 
Let's. Is it mean because I play do? Play Sea of Thieves something. after this. Yes. Okay. Let's play what? So, Thieves, anyway, I don't know. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is, like, if you're listening to this podcast, whenever you listen to it, tell me your favorite video game. You tell us what your favorite video game you played was in the comments of however you watch this video, whether it's on the the audio or the YouTube or hell, you can tweet us at critical underscore HP. Yeah, and also. We're also having these wonderful Monday missions. Thanks for everyone who participated. It was really cool. Um, if you continue to do Monday missions, you might get something cool at the end of the month, like a nice little HP critical sticker or something. Um, so yeah, it was really awesome to read everybody's what you're playing. And I can't wait for us to continue them going forward. And of course, listen to continue listening to the HP Critical Podcast where Brandon, Kelly, Gabe, and I are giving you all the hot tea, um, which you're not going to get from other podcasts, right? So, you know, other podcasts didn't jump into why Zombie. Oh, we didn't either, huh? We talked about Zombie, but maybe not the story you're referring to. All right. Well, I'm a tear. I'm a tear. I'm a tear into Zombie on the after after dark. I'm a tear. I'm a tear. I'm a tear. (laughs) And it's not gonna be nice because I have some things to say about that lady. Um, you know, we're gonna tear into all the good stuff. But uh, make sure you tune in to HP Critical because you know we're the only podcast that's gonna tell you all about you know um uh 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 a bunch of stuff like streamers in in hot tubs and diversity in video games and all the good shit like why um why. Uh, uh, what rule 34 is like you you get a good education here so come along if you like listening of course uh, please leave us some nice reviews Um, leave us a comment here shout out to everyone Um, and if you'd like to see another guest come on the show you can DM me or uh, HP Critical Twitter and um, we can we can try to set that up for any of our previous guests hopefully we'll be able to have some of them back on and of course check out hpcritical.com you're going to be able to see Brandon's uh, stream schedule for HP Critical we we have a wonderful series of does it hold up there which I've actually been a part of finally it was really cool (laughs) we look over SNES and NES games because we did have that topic earlier. Uh, Kelly is going to be streaming. I think she was streaming recently. Our, our, her, her stream time is, uh, her stream uh, link is always in the description for this uh, podcast. So definitely check it out. Gabe is maybe still doing playthroughs on YouTube. I am on a very long break, so... But, but you, you can still, still catch subscribe any of his- yes. and check out any of his previous ones, which the link is also in the... I will say, if I do start getting more subscribers, I'm just going to go back into making more videos. You see, I really want to f- see him finish uh, Persona 5, and I'd like to actually oh see both gosh, of them finish Final Fantasy 7, because there was a topic that I wanted to talk about today, which was Final Fantasy 7's uh, co-director praises The Last of Us 2 for its diversity, but I didn't want to spoil anyone, so I couldn't. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, with that, thank you guys for listening, uh, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Yeah.